Good morning, everybody. We are in the middle of a health pandemic, and most of us are stuck at home a lot of the time. First week we experienced this, it was kind of novel and new and different. And the weeks after, of course, have kind of been a letdown. Many of us are experiencing the blues or the blahs. Blues and blahs can become something called discouragement. The future no longer looks promising or bright. Discouragement. Discouragement is defined as to deprive of courage, hope, or confidence, to dishearten. Discouragement. Is life too complex? Is it too busy? Is it too hassled? Are, are we overwhelmed by our circumstances? Maybe out of work or demands of family, obstacles, maybe you're short of money. Now you have to find a way to pay bills and your budget. Life just seems out of control. Discouragement. All of us from time to time get discouraged. There's one thing all, all the human beings have in common. It's that we all experience this thing called discouragement. Today we're going to look at blowing your blues away. Blowing your blues away. We're going to look at a character in the Bible who had great faith, great charisma, incredible abilities. He was famous and he was powerful and influential. But he got discouraged. In fact, he was so discouraged, he wished he were dead. That's really discouraged. I'd like us to join him as we turn to 1 Kings. First Kings. We looked at this passage oh, about a year and a half ago, but I felt it was really appropriate for us to look at today as we, we've taken a break from our Genesis series. And uh, I want to look at uh, 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, uh, the first 18 verses. I'll give you time to get it, uh, to look it up as, I, as I'm ready to read it. 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with his sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I did not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all those whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. Today we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at facts about discouragement, characteristics of the encourager, and then God's answer to discouragement. Facts about a discouragement, characteristics of the encourager, and God's answer to discouragement. Let's start with facts about discouragement. What do we find here in this passage? Firstly, we find that discouragement sometimes follows great success. Discouragement sometimes follows great success. In the preceding chapter, chapter 18, Elijah had experienced this incredible success. If you're not familiar with the story, Elijah had a huge showdown at Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of a false cult, Baal worshippers, tried in vain to get their God to send fire from heaven, but nothing happened. Baal failed to perform. Then Elijah upped the stakes by soaking his offering with tons of water. Then he called on his God and zap, fire from heaven. God performed. This proved to all the people that God was real. And the people said, the Lord, he is God. Elijah won. He won high on a mountaintop experience. But at the end of most mountains, of course, comes a valley. It was a valley for Elijah and a valley for you and me. We reach the apex of some great accomplishment, a long-sought goal, finished a degree, experienced great success. We were having such a great year. 2020 started out incredible, and wham! Discouragement. It's part of the emotional, physical, and spiritual letdown after a great experience of success. Will I ever reach that again? Discouragement. Discouragement sometimes follows great success. We had a great economy, material success. It was awesome. Now, the letdown. And that produces the blues. Discouragement. Secondly, fear. Fear breeds discouragement. Elijah's success threatened the political regime of Israel, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. So Jezebel put out a contract on Elijah, a price on his head. There's something about having a contract out on you that brings a small degree of fear. And fear breeds discouragement. Fear can paralyze it. It makes us think irrationally. It undermines our faith. In fact, it's the opposite of faith. Fear is a very common 
common emotion today. You watch the news, the economic calamity, the stock market collapsing, the COVID-19 pandemic, quarantined at home, and our leaders, politicians at war with each other. And we worry, we worry. Well, sometimes we need to just quit watching the news. <laughs> fear, fear brings worry. There was a guy who claimed to have found a bulletproof solution to worry. His friend asked him, what is your solution to worry? He said, well, I hire someone to worry for me. Really, he answered. How, wow, how, how much does that cost? He said it costs $1,000 per week. He said, wow, $1,000 per week. Where are you going to get that kind of money? Oh, that's his first worry. Fear breeds discouragement. C, letter C, if you're taking notes, physical exhaustion can bring discouragement. Physical exhaustion can bring discouragement. Elijah, fearful for his life, did what you and I might do. He ran. Elijah ran for his life. He ran to Beersheba about 30 miles, then went a day's journey further. It's like running to Menominee, then Minneapolis, on foot. He was exhausted. I don't know the last time you ran 30 miles, then walked all day. That is exhaustion. We may run from fear, not physically, but emotionally or spiritually. And our race from fear brings physical exhaustion, brings discouragement. One study showed that 78% of all Americans need more rest. 78%. The other 22% don't have children. That's another thing. What happens to your motor when you get tired? Physical exhaustion can bring discouragement. And fourthly, letter D, everyone experiences discouragement. Everyone experiences discouragement. No one is exempt from discouragement. Some experience it more or less than others, but sooner or later, it knocks on every single door. Discouraged because of family disappointments or discovery of abuse, human inadequacy, vocational failure, unexpected bills or nagging physical problems, unending pain, conflicts in marriage, maybe problems with children, children in school. Everyone experiences discouragement. Everyone experiences the blues. And fifthly, E, discouragement can be destructive and debilitating. In verse 4, Elijah is so exhausted, he's tired and discouraged, so, so, so much so that he says, I've had enough. I've had enough. Have you ever said that to God? God, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. Then he says, now, O Lord, take my life. I'm not better than my ancestors. Wow. Elijah has concluded that his life is useless. His work is fruitless, and life is no longer worth living. He said, God, just kill me. Put me out of my misery. Aren't you glad God doesn't answer all our prayers? Wow. What do we do when we're that low? It's amazing how we can fight 49 battles in a row and win by God's strength. And when it comes to number 50, we just collapse in a heap and say, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. One Saturday night, over 25 years ago now, I was at our church alone, praying to prepare for Sunday morning. I was tired. I was discouraged. I was just worn out. I was trying to work up the energy to, to preach and lead the next morning. And I said to God, 
I am so tired. I can't preach for 30 more years. God spoke to me. Now, I don't hear his voice all the time, but one of the few times I've heard very clearly the voice of God speaking to me. He said, you don't have to. All you have to do is preach tomorrow morning. I said, I, I guess I can do that. One day at a time, one day at a time, one challenge at a time, one obstacle at a time. We don't know many times in the middle of this pandemic what the next day is going to bring. It's almost impossible to plan anything. But we don't have to take it all at once. We just need to take it one day at a time, one obstacle at a time. Discouragement can be destructive and debilitating. Those are some facts about discouragement. Facts about discouragement. Well, let's look at Roman numeral two, characteristics of the encourager. Characteristics of the encourager. Now, this story is about Elijah, but it's really a story about God. God is the other character in this story. So what do we discover about God? What do we discover about God? Letter A, first of all, he's always there. He's always there. Elijah goes from the mountaintop victory, and God is there. He runs 30 miles, a day's journey, exhausted. And where is God? He's still there. God is there all the time. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 139. And I, I could read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read a few verses from Psalm 139, starting with verse 7. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. Wow. God is there all the time. All the time. When I was five years old, we were living in Japan. Uh, my parents were missionaries in Japan. Uh, and I was born there, and at five years old, we were... We were uh, living in northern Japan, but every summer we went on a vacation to a volcanic mountain lake called Nojiri. My father had built a, a small log cabin about a mile up the hillside above the lake. On this lake was a little church where we attended Sunday services. And one Sunday night, it was warm and sunny, and we walked down to the lake for the Sunday night service. Near the end of the service, a huge thunderstorm moved in. Torrential rains, heavy winds, thunder, and lightning. It was frightening. And we had to walk back to the cabin. And the, the way to get back to the cabin was a steep dirt path, which by now had turned into a stream of water and mud. I was with my dad and my mom and my two older brothers. We didn't have any street lights. We had no lights. We had a couple flashlights. So it was pitch black. 
With wind, torrential rain, and the pitch black thunder and lightning all around us, we worked our way up that path, slipping, falling, drenched to the bone. And as a five-year-old, I was terrified. But there's one thing, there's one thing I will never forget about that terrifying experience. My dad never once let go of my hand. Never once did my dad let go of my hand. What kind of dark, stormy, terrifying path are you on right now? God, your father, the encourager, is always there. And he will never, never let go of your hand. The encourager. Second, he always provides for our needs. He always provides for our needs. In this story, Elijah's physical needs were first and foremost. The angel also provided for Elijah's emotional and spiritual needs. You know, we are complete beings. Just providing for our physical needs is inadequate. Infants raised in an institutional setting can be bathed, fed, and clothed, but if they're not held, talked to, or caressed, they grow up emotionally scarred and bankrupt. Human beings need physical, emotional, and spiritual care. We're body, soul, and spirit. We can't just divide the human being. We're still one being, but we have distinct needs, and God provides for all of those needs. And God provides for future needs as well. In verse 7, the angel gave him more nourishment. Elijah didn't know what was coming. He didn't know what he was going to need, but God did. God provided enough for the coming challenge. We do not know what's ahead of us in 2020, but God does. God does. And he will provide for a future challenge as well, to the unknown. In verse 8, it says, He went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. Obviously, there was something supernatural going on here. Now, we would like a diet pill that exercises for us, but to exercise for 40 days without actually eating? Wow, that, that's pretty remarkable. Thirdly, the encourager asks tough questions. The encourager asks tough questions. In verse 9 and 13, God asks, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Has God, has God ever asked you that question? You're depressed, you're down in the dumps, discouraged, feeling sorry for yourself, hiding. Elijah was in a cave, and God asks, what are you doing here? God, I have a right to be here. After all I've done for you, look where I am now. And he hides, and we hide. We hide from people, circumstances, from trouble, from reality, from God. Discouraged. And God asks tough questions like, what are you doing here? Fourthly, the encourager overlooks our excuses. He overlooks our excuses. In verse 10, Elijah said, I've been very zealous. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. I've worked in vain. It's no use. I've, I've not accomplished anything. I'm all alone. We'd say, God, I'm the only Christian in this office, on this floor. I'm the only Christian in my family, in my school, on my campus, on the football team, the debate team. I've kept my nose clean. I've lived right. And where, where has it gotten me? Complain, complain, complain. 
Someone said that's why God made goldfish. He likes to see something with its mouth open that's not complaining. Someone penned this little note. How to be miserable, it's called. This is how to be miserable. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. Insist on consideration and respect. Sulk if people are ungrateful for the favors you've shown them. Well, God overlooks our excuses. Let's move on to God's answer to discouragement. God's answer to discouragement. The first answer to discouragement is renew your relationship with God. Renew your relationship with God. Get alone with God. In verses 11 to 12, in verses 11 to 12, there are three strong signs, demonstrations of God's power. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Wow. Three strong signs, demonstrations of God's power. Strong wind first, but the Lord was not in the wind. An earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And fire, but the Lord is not in the fire. Finally, the sound of a gentle blowing. <laughs> the sound of a gentle blowing. The Hebrew is a little more descriptive and picturesque. Translates it as the sound of gentle quietness. The sound of gentle quietness. The sound of gentle silence. A still small voice. A still small voice. When Elijah heard it, he hid his face because it was God. That is the wind that will blow our blues away. The wind of God. Elijah had done mighty works, great signs and wonders that terrified people. But what had the greatest effect on Elijah? The still, small voice. Why? Because it was the voice of God. It was the voice of God. Elijah needed to hear the voice of God. When we are discouraged, we need to hear the voice of God. We don't need a whirlwind of activity. We need to get away from the earthquakes and get away from the heat of fire or putting out fires and just get alone with God. We can't hear the voice of God in the middle of activity and noise. Some of the feedback I've been getting from different people and different persons about this pandemic and this safer at home mandate and and uh, disruption of everything is they're spending more time getting alone with God. Getting alone with God. Are you discouraged? 
Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Renew your relationship with God. Just renew, or if you've never known God personally, establish a relationship with God. If you're listening to my voice today, you've never known God. He's the seeking God who came. He sent Jesus to establish that relationship with us, to you. Because he would like to establish a relationship with you. And those of you that have known God a long time, renew it. Renew your relationship with God. Secondly, God's answer to discouragement. Letter B. Second answer is rest and nourishment. Rest and nourishment. Eat and sleep. Sounds great. Especially during this pandemic. I'm stuck at home. When's the last time you got enough sleep? When's the last time you took a full day off? When's the last time you took a vacation? I know our vacation this summer is up in the air. We don't know how vacation is going to work in the middle of all this. But when's the last time you took a vacation? You say, well, you know, I'd be okay if an angel would come and be the one to fix dinner. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Let's do that. <laughs> third, the third answer is mission. Mission. Go. A job to do. God sends Elijah on a mission. In verses 15 and 16, God gives him a mission. He says, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And he gives him a job to do. One of the best ways to get over discouragement, to get our eyes off of me and self-centeredness, is to have a task given to us. Sometimes the best way to heal from grief or sorrow is to pour ourselves into the lives of others. And the flow of giving brings a balm of healing. Healing. Mission. And the fourth answer to discouragement is community. Community. Yeah, I would take this time to unapologetically to encourage you to join a connect group. Now, it doesn't say that exactly. But get together with others. In verse 18, he says, I have 7,000 others. I have 7,000 others. Others who have experienced the same things you've experienced. In other words, he says, you've got company. You've got company. And we need to share community. We need to walk with others who have experienced what we are experiencing who, or who are in the same boat now. That's a challenge right now, obviously, in this time of the pandemic. How do we get together? Well, we can communicate, whether it's uh, via online Zoom or via phone, or, or you, you can get together with people, small numbers, but rely on that community. Talk to people who are experiencing and have experienced the same thing. Not to commiserate, but to liberate. Not to complain, but to celebrate. See, there's no such thing as solitary faith. It's not I, but we. It's not I, but we. And we we're looking forward to seeing the time that we can all get back together in our connect groups, and we can all come back to church and worship and fellowship. And, and I've heard from many of you saying, man, I can hardly wait till we can get back together. And there may be some steps you need to take in the meantime. Because alone, yeah, we can grow discouraged. But where are you today? Are you discouraged? God wants to blow your blues away.
no matter what the cause. And if you aren't discouraged this morning, find someone who is and help them blow their blues away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in all of this, we know that you, God, are in control. <clears throat> There's nothing here that has surprised you. And I just pray, Lord, that as, as people are listening this morning to this message, that you would speak to them, you would encourage them. And God, that you would help us to understand and realize that it's, it's getting alone with you, that still small voice of God. And when we have that input into our lives, and your Holy Spirit empowers those words and encourages us. And I just pray, God, that you would encourage our people today and that you would make us encouragers, that we won't dwell on the negative, that we would dwell on the positive and look at all the incredible things that you are doing in and through this time in the life of our nation, in the life of our, our, our state, in the life of our community, and in the life of our church and families. Father, we are a church family, and I just pray that this time would be a time that we gather together in spirit and in truth, whatever way we can, to encourage one another. And we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me close with a benediction from Jude, Jude 22 through 25, that says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.